we're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. We've been hung. We've been shot. I think the most difficult part is to see, like, people still don't care. I got a 22-year-old and a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old. And I'm trying to prevent from being hunted. I'm proud of what the guys and the women are doing. As we would say, a unified people always defeat unified money. And I'm just proud. I'm proud of what I'm seeing take place. It's amazing to me why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. ESPN Audio and the undefeated proudly partner in the intersection or sports and social justice meet. Now alongside L. Duncan, here's Clinton Yates. Of course, we've been talking about not just the NBA bubble, but in general, how the sports world has reacted to everything that's happened in 2020, specifically the situation that's gone down with Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We've seen a lot of different leagues react. Obviously, the NBA is top of mind. However, Major League Baseball has had its fair amount of sort of work stoppages, if you will. The NHL is in a similar position, as is MLS. However, digging a little deeper into what went on, L, in the bubble specifically, in terms of how this situation got adjudicated, a name came up that I was not expecting to hear, quite frankly. Okay. That would be one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Mm-hmm. Now, Michael, in the last couple years has exponentially increased his visibility in terms of what I'll just call social justice movements, whether it be money he donates, whether it be things he say says, or whether it be him simply having you know the willingness to show up. Per example, in this scenario, if you want to see this story, check it out by Jackie McMullen, headline, sources say Michael Jordan, voice of reason during NBA owners meeting, I'm not saying I was shocked by this or that I put it past Jordan, but this is a very interesting wrinkle, L, in terms of what we think about when we think about leadership and what we think about when we think about, I don't want to say a comparison to LeBron James. That's not my point. I'm just saying, but in a world in which their universes, for all of the fake comparisons we try to do of them, they actually do overlap in this situation, very much so. Yeah, um, I... I was surprised um, to your point, but I do think it makes perfect sense as someone that could sort of speak the language of an owner um, and also understands the power and cachet that comes along with being an NBA player, and specifically <laughs> the power and cachet that came along with being Michael Jordan, right? That you are a brand in of itself, which sort of speaks back to what we talked about last hour and what you wrote about on the undefeated and that, you know, these guys are the product. So they're not boycotting anything. They're, they're choosing to strike. Um, and I know we'll get back into that in a little bit, but I guess, when I, when I hear about not only the Michael Jordan thing being surprising to me, but I think what was surprising to me is, is some of these sort of revelations that came out of that meeting that they had last night. Um, among them, and I'm, I'm interested to see what you thought, but among them that not all the players are registered to vote, that in fact during that meeting only about 20% of all the NBA players are registered to vote, right? Which mm. completely shocked me. I mean, you, you've got – very visible guys like LeBron James and Chris Paul in on this more than a vote initiative. And you would think because they have been the most sort of, you know, socially active league that these guys 
would be registered to vote. And the fact that 20% of them were was just befuddling to me that Chris Paul really had to advocate for them doing that. Um, Coaches providing advice for the players. That, to me, wasn't particularly surprising, you know, especially someone like Doc Rivers, who was there throughout the Donald Sterling scandal and was, again, someone that really empowered his players to use their position and their station to make some change. Um, And it's not particularly surprising to me about the financial ramifications. And I think that's become sort of a sticking point to Clinton. People saying, oh, so so if this is all about your people and your community and using your voice and how hurt you are, why did it matter to you that you were going to potentially lose between 25 and 35 percent of your salary should you have ended the season yesterday and that you could potentially lose why should that matter why why does that matter if you guys are rich anyway and if it means that much you know that's important that's what it's going to take clint it's going to take you guys making the ultimate sacrifice and to that you say what you know what i say to that something i can't <laughs> say on this radio station but i mean you know everybody we always got to give up something to get something sure that's how we got to exist mm-hmm. y'all can just build we got to take something you know what i'm saying nah forget about that anyway you're listening to the intersection on espn radio i'm clinton yates She's L. Duncan. The thing that struck me most about this, about all of this, is the fact that when pressed and when they decided to stop playing, you know, they got together. And I, I have no issue whatsoever with taking the time to do the work. And let me explain something to you all. The work is not just turning in the essay and getting the grade, so to speak. The work is in doing the research collaborating with your group partners. You have to actually figure out because as L said, not everybody is on the same page on things as simple as voter registration. So don't come at me with this, oh, but they did a plan or what's coming up this? Dark, that's what they're trying to figure out. Simple as that, you know? And, and that's quite all right. And it is quite frankly beyond that, a good reason to stop playing basketball, which is ultimately what my column was about. If anybody chooses to stop doing something that, frankly, is ultimately trivial, then maybe you should respect their decision. Now, more specifically to the bubble, and we're going to talk to Tim Bontemps later in the program about this, there are some issues within the bubble that were separate from everything happening outside of the bubble that caused things to boil over. And I understand that when the players make a decision that effectively unilaterally affects the jobs and the money of a lot more people than themselves, then it's a little different decision. So for all the things I might have said in that column, I still thought that it was very tricky for them to decide not to play, especially if they were going to do it for a long period of time. That's why I said it's clear these guys just need a break. And if that's what ends up coming out of it and they end up learning a little bit about themselves and getting their own self-determination out of this, that is fine by me, L. That's good enough, you know? Uh, Let me ask you this then. Because, again, this is a hot sort of social media question that's out there right now. Will mm-hmm. revisionist history say that Kyrie Irving was right all along and they never should have come down here to begin with? No, revisionist history is not going to say that at all. Because the way that we're going to look at the overall expanse of 2020, we're going to think about it this way. What happened with sports in 2020? One, COVID. Two, Black Lives Matter. That's it. People might remember the pop-ups of various things going on, whether it be MLS doing something, NWSL and their situation regarding getting rid of the – um. Uh, national anthem, whether it be the WNBA, once again being the beacon of leadership in this regard as a mm-hmm. result of the percentage of black women who are the ones who change everything in this country to begin with. Don't forget that ever. Yeah. Number preach. two, number three. You know what I'm saying? I think people are going to think about specific things, but I don't think the NBA is actually going to take over that. I think it's just going to be looked at as another one of those things that happened in the wildest year of our lives to this point. And that's fine. 
You know what I'm saying? Like I said before, not everything has to happen at once, but when they happen, please respect the steps that those who know what they're doing, which is all of us, because it is our lives and the situation affects us. Please respect the steps that they're willing to take to try to get to the place that you say you want them to be as well. You can't do both at the same time and try to control what other people do as well as indicate, I understand I'm part of the problem. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. And I actually think there's a lot more to be said because you're right. In the grand scheme of things, I don't think anybody's going to remember much about this besides, yes, COVID and racism. Um, but yep. I do think it is more significant to play and stop than to have never have played at all. Like they, that's the thing, Clinton. They've been playing really yep. good basketball, really engaging, yes. great basketball, huge storylines. And to say, no, you know what? We're just not going to do it. To me, that had a greater impact than having never started the season at all. Totally agree. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. It's The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Clinton Yates. She's L. Duncan. The program is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the show appear via the Shell Pinzar performance line. And let's not waste any time getting a Tim Bontemps ESPN NBA reporter we used to work together at the Washington Post. Now we talk about basketball all the time, and we're going to do that right now because he's inside the bubble. Tim, it's been a long day, a lot of different machinations of Lord knows what. Where are we just in terms of what you know and just vibe-wise right now inside the bubble in terms of where the NBA is? Uh, yeah, Clinton. I mean, it's been it's been a really long, I guess, couple of days, really. I mean, I, I think for me, this really goes back to uh, when I was on a Zoom call on Monday afternoon with George Hill after the Bucks beat the Magic and seeing how visibly upset George was about what happened. Um, and then as everything started to play out after that, um, you know, talking to Fred Van Vliet on Tuesday, hearing him talk about the possibility of not playing games, seeing Jalen Brown on Tuesday, kind of almost losing his composure, talking about what happened. Um you can just tell a lot of these guys down here are tired of being in this bubble. They're tired of everything that's going on in this country that they've been obviously fighting against, you know, both through what they've said and, you know, for a lot of these guys going out and protesting before they came down here. And, you know, obviously it culminated with the Bucks deciding not to play and then everything that happened after that. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's a good, you know, I think, you know, you and your column, I think, really summed up everything well today. I think everybody just needed a mental health break more than anything and a chance to kind of collect their thoughts and kind of reset. And I think that, uh, you know, now that it looks like we're going to get, you know, a couple or three days with no games and then probably come back on Saturday and get things started again, I think it's a really good opportunity for everybody to kind of take a deep breath and reset and, um, you know, be able to kind of process everything that's happened over the past, you know, 72 hours or so, and then, you know, get back to playing the games again, uh, starting Saturday afternoon. Tim, you know, uh, and we're speaking with Tim Bontemps, NBA writer for ESPN. Tim, we, we yesterday, last night, you know, after the Bucks decide that they're not going to play and then the games are postponed, we hear about this meeting. There's reports that the Lakers and the Clippers want to be done altogether with the bubble. And then today we get word that there is going to be a resumption of play. Based on what you're hearing, I mean, sort of what happened between last night's reports and today that had the players deciding they'd continue the season in Orlando? 
I think, you know, last night there was obviously a lot of stuff going on in that meeting. And everybody, like I said, everybody was clearly angry and upset and frustrated at everything that's going on right in the country. And I think that you kind of saw that all boil over in that meeting. Right. And like I said, not, I'm not trying to blow up my guy Clinton, but I, I thought he really summed it up perfectly because we, we even <laughs> talked about it yesterday. We even yeah. talked about it yesterday. He called me and we talked about it. And like everybody just kind of needed a break. And I, I think having a night to sleep on it. Right. And kind of think about everything. Um, it always made the most sense for me for this to kind of be the way this played out. You know, Quentin and I, like I said, we talked about it yesterday. It didn't make sense for the players to go home. They have the world's attention here. They made an unbelievable statement, but decided not to play. It, it caused a cascading effect where you saw all these players and all these teams and all these other sports all stop playing games. You have hockey teams not playing games now and soccer teams, bat, baseball teams all sitting out, all promoting the same message that they have. And now they get to come back and play. They're going to get more concessions from the owners on stuff that they – tangible stuff they can have uh, happen going forward and, and tangible action plans they can build on to try to, you know, increase voter turnout and do the different things that they've been doing an incredible job of over the past few months. And they can still play and finish out the season and keep the economic train of the league going, which is not just the thing that benefits the owners. It also benefits the players because they do get half of the revenue – and you see with what guys like LeBron James have done, they've taken that money and turned it into incredible work in their communities. So I think that the way this has played out has been, honestly, as good as I think this could have been hoped to be and that the players get to make a tremendous statement and get a ton of attention on the stuff that, they, that really matters to them and also get to continue to have that platform over the next six or seven weeks and beyond to keep talking about the stuff that matters to them and keep these issues in the forefront and still be able to play games and finish off the season and do the stuff they have to do on that front to keep the league going. Tim, last thing we'll ask you here is I was very intrigued by the specificity with which Paul George talked about how the mental health situation, the overall circumstance, and just the bubble context has affected his game. You watch a lot of basketball. You've covered the game for a very long time. Was there any point where you noticed these dudes are not themselves. How much do you think this break is going to affect the quality of the hoops, which I think a lot of fans have thought was tremendous, at least in the playoffs to this point? I think the basketball's been really good, Clinton, and I don't think it's necessarily been impacted, in at least overall, the way it was, like, like you said, the way Paul talked about how it impacted him. But there's no question this has been hard, right? I mean, I'm not – I'm down here – I've been down here a month, and it's been long for me, right? I mean, it's a long – it's a long time to be away from your family, away from your friends, not able to go anywhere. You're kind of in this regimented, regimented lifestyle where you, you only can kind of go to practice, go back to your room and go to games and go back to your room. Not a lot going on. And there were a lot of these guys who weren't thrilled about this before it even started. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, for the moment the Raptors got down here to Florida two months ago, was saying, hey, I don't really feel great about this. Kind of had to do it because we have to play. We all understand we have to play, but – I don't feel great about not being with my family and friends for three, four, five months, right? And yeah. I think no small part of what happened this week is everybody just is kind of fried from this. And I do think that from a, from a mental health standpoint, I do think it will really help everybody to just have two or three days to kind of reset and refocus and say, all right, you know, especially for those teams that are going to be trying to play all the way through to the finals, all right, we've got another four or five weeks of this, we can get to the end and then we can go, you know, work on the stuff we want to work on and, and be home with our family and friends at that point. So I, I do really think that there was 
kind of a need for a reset like this. And obviously, I think we all can agree it would be much better if it wasn't coming under the circumstances that it came under, given what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin this week. But uh, I do think there are some positives for it for everybody here in that the players do get a chance to kind of rest and reflect and get their heads right. And uh, they'll be able to get back to doing what they want to do, which is play basketball. He is Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter. (laughs) I'm sorry, Tim. Me and Clinton have been doing hand signals to each other. I wanted to wrap you so that I could say he's also the the number one one advocate for Clinton Yates. Go read Clinton Yates' article that Tim Bontemps dropped four shameless plugs about on the undefeated.com right now. That's a real homie. As Clinton, so as Clinton, I love it. As eloquent as as Clinton Yates so eloquently put in his article that you can check on the undefeated dot com right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Tim. Appreciate your time. See you guys. Thanks for having me. I didn't, of course. I didn't know what you were trying to say to me out there. We'll get to that later. But no. So quickly, in a short amount of time. What have you heard from the people you know inside the bubble about this very thing, just overall vibe-wise? Yeah, they hate it. Same as Tim said, they didn't want to go to begin with. They hate it. Like, the first week there was some engagement, and they were sort of like, all right, we'll be focused in on this, um, and that they're miserable. Like, everyone sort of resorted to just, you know, all those cute little videos where we were seeing at first are gone. They go to their room. They go to practice. They go to the game. They go back to the room. They miss their families. They're over it. They're tired of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, this is this is, you know, I mean, Tim broke it down well there, which is simply that a lot, not, not by parroting me, but I mean, he, you can feel that. You know what I mean? I, I can't sure. imagine what it's like being in that environment now. There was a time when people said, oh, the bubble's the happiest place on earth. They got trees. They got their girls. They got food. They got all this, man. Yeah. They got themselves right now. Coming up, Justin Tinsley of The Undefeated is going to join us. I ain't talked to my man JT in a while. He's going to praise L this time. That's how it's going to work. It's the intersection on ESPN. <laughs> The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. It's The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. The show is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Clinton Yates. She's L. Duncan. We took phone calls earlier, and now we're talking to our people. We talked to Bon Temps earlier. Tremendous friend, tremendous guest, by the way. We'll talk about that later. And now joining us on the Shell Penzo performance line is my man, JT, Justin Tinsley <laughs> from The Undefeated. I haven't seen or talked to JT in months, so pardon me if I turn this into, in a year without NABJ, the kind of situation where you run into L, you see JT in the lobby, and at like 1.30 in the morning, you sit down for like an hour and talk about your lives. That's what this is going to be like. JT, how are you? Chop it up. Yo, it is so good to hear from both of y'all, man. It's an honor and privilege to be talking to the both of you right now. Thank you so much for having me on, for real. Uh, yeah, well, I know, I know Clinton wants to fawn over your friendship, but we're friends too, so <laughs> thanks, Clinton. Um, <laughs> Justin Tinsley, who, by are, the way, who, 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 by the way, like, if you guys don't know um, anything about Justin Tinsley, and you should at this point, he's just like that dude. He's young. He's got a, a really strong voice. He writes for The Undefeated. And I sort of, Justin, you came into my purview a couple of years ago just sort of writing about really cool cultural aspects um, of, you know, like – black culture and sort of bringing up these really interesting points about black culture and you could get into a bevy of topics but lately obviously the topics have all turned quite heavy and they've all really focused on social injustices and I just have to ask you like we're talking a lot about mental health like what has that felt like and looked like like for you in particular over the last couple of months but even over the last week or so you know I'm so glad that that you asked that question because I think that's a very important 
question that we need to be asking, you know, ourselves, our friends, our inner circles, just, just to see how, just to check in. I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm a big proponent of therapy. And I actually had a therapy session yesterday. And uh, my my therapist told me, he's like, look, you have to check in with yourself. You have to, like, you have to take a step back from everything that's going on because the 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 reality of the industry that we work in, we have to be tapped in to so much. And, you, you know, as much as people want us to stick to sports and, like, leave politics out of sports or whatever, you know, BS they try to tell us nowadays that, like, hey, just give us the box score at the end of the day. Like, that's just not the reality of these situations. And we see these images on social media. We see these videos of, you know, black men and black women not being given the justice that they deserve or not even just the justice that they deserve, put in positions that they never should have been in to begin with. And it, it takes, like, it, it takes a huge toll on you. And I'd be lying to you. And especially nowadays where, you know, y'all y'all can attest to this. We, we can't travel as much as we used to. We can't meet up in different cities and just, you know, decompress and just be like, man, this is what's going on in my life. Like Clinton just said it. I haven't, I haven't seen Clinton in God knows how long, maybe not all of 2020. So how am I doing? I am maintaining. But uh, what I want to say is when you see, black men and black women in society nowadays and you if you see us with a smile on our face just know that it is a very very hard balance to maintain because i'm i'm going through a lot of mental and uh, mental hurdles mental obstacles mental olympics whatever you want to say and i think a lot of us are going through that just in terms of the thoughts that go through our mind and the emotions that we deal with so how am i doing i'm doing fine all things considered this is the best way i can describe it Justin Tinsley of The Undefeated joins us here on The Intersection. I'm Clinton Yates. She's L. Duncan. Now, JT, here's the thing about what you cover. It often dovetails in a lot of specificity, not just the sports world, but the music world. And very interestingly, the athletic department of entertainment has seen a lot of start and stop things, you know, obviously from the Mm -hmm. way that games are going and crowds are going and so forth. But the music world has been a little different. Of course, we haven't had concerts. Well, some people have. That's another story. But what has it been (laughs) like for you in terms of this information intake, trying to keep up with how sports are slowing down and how in a lot of ways music is not exactly speeding up, but it's not slowing down either because you can still make tracks in your crib. You know what I'm saying? You don't need a hoop to do that. What has it been like for your specific sort of lane of your interest covering both and just keeping up with both at the same time? You know, that, that, that's a that's a great question as well, man. Like I, you know, I, I, one of the, the major songs that have come out around during this whole quarantine pandemic social uprising whatever you want to call it is uh little babies like the bigger picture and I, I i love that song i think that's one of the more powerful songs to come out in 2020 but what it's done is it's also made me go back in time and really just take a nostalgic look into how music has always defined these these critical points in our lives they've become the soundtrack of our lives and I've I've listened to and you know I I, I know L will will appreciate this being the, being the ATL native or whatnot like I've been listening to one of the songs that I've listened to the most over this basically since March when quote unquote outside shut down is, is Spodio the Dopalicious yeah, like I yeah. really truly I truly like sorry 
I truly believe. No, seriously. Now you got to do it. If I say the song title, you have to. It has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah, but you know, but L, but L, Clinton. You know, I I'd be lying to you if you know it being being black in America. I think you think about the topic of death a lot because it, it just comes to you in in a variety of different ways. And you know, if you live long enough. You you experience loss in in a variety of different ways, whether it be through violence in the streets, whether it be through losing somebody to a long jail sentence, or whether it be drugs, whatever the case may be. But just this year alone, and you know, I'm 34. Uh, I I can be completely candid, completely honest with you all. I've thought about death a lot more than I ever have in my life, just because of just what's going on. And I, I I was telling I was telling somebody earlier today, and I was just like, look, man, I hope you know the end of my life is decades and decades and decades off, you know, you know, on the horizon or whatnot. But I listened to that song, and I'm like, man, if that's the first song I hear when I walk through the pearly gates, you know, that then, then you know what, I, I'll I'll have done something right. So what has music done for me at this point in time? It's allowed me to look back over the course, and I and I, I understand that, you know, a lot of these injustices, a lot of these like claims, a lot of these demands that we're making, that they've been they've been on the table for a long time, and that's why we're so frustrated. Like we're we're not we're not asking for anything other than just like just to be treated equal, you know. Like we're not asking for any cheat codes or any, you know, you know. Put us, put us above a level uh, above anybody else. It's not that, but music has music has brought me closer to mortality, and in, in in a lot of ways, in in ways that I've never really truly thought about over the course of my 34 years. I hope that answers your question, but that's just something I really wanted to get off my chest because it's been on my mind a lot. This is a safe space for you, Justin Tinsley. I do have to say this because while Spodiotti uh, is fantastic. Give give Chunky Fire a couple of whirls because that's what? my favorite. Give Chunky <laughs> Fire. A, give give Chunky. I'm sorry. I just had to. Say, I didn't. I didn't. It's Come just on. that Clinton. Listen. It's just that I love Justin and I want to steer him in a direction that it's the last song on the album and it just is really a. It's a banger and I just wanted to leave JT with that. You know, no, listen to that. Look, look as as the ATL that's native, like I, I will listen to you and you know what, Chunky will. Salute to that track. I love that track as well. That's, okay. You know, I, I'll right. leave it at that. Uh, that was a Justin that was Tinsley. a consolation. No, 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 I no, like no. it. Justin <laughs> Tinsley, senior writer for the Undefeated, and tremendous diplomat as well. He really is. Situation. He really is. Thank you, JT. It's good to hear from you, brother. Love you, Justin. Uh, love both of y'all. Y'all be safe. All right. All right, man. Love you too. Why Coming the up? Chunky Fire slander, Clinton? It's a good well, song. All, you know what? We could we could talk about this offline. How about that? You know what I'm saying? We can discuss this on Twitter with all your other friends that are in okay. my mentions. But do you know what brings rats, mice, snakes, and up out their hole? Uh, all right. Go, just do, you the, can, you know just what, do yeah. the toss. Why don't you tell okay. them what's coming just, up, Alex. All right. Okay. Coming up, what does the player strike solve? And ultimately, what do the players want to happen? It's the intersection on ESPN Radio. It gives me the Dickens reminiscent of Charles. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. What it is, yo, it's the intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm telling y'all, the stuff between the breaks is really, really gold. 
holler at us about this stream. <laughs> the show is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the show appear via the Shell Penzo performance line. I want to thank everybody who came on the program. Number one, one, William C. Roden. Obviously, you know his work for years in the New York Times, and he writes for The Undefeated. Now, my man is a beast. Obviously, my close personal friend, Tim Bontemps, who is an ESPN writer, advocate for Publicist. the Ethesian way. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Good times joined us. It was great to talk to him. He's inside the bubble, obviously, in the mm-hmm. NBA, which right now is a very oddball vibe. So getting his perspective was very good. And, of course, the homie, JT Justin Tinsley, senior writer for The Undefeated, checked in. And that was who the guests were on the show, Penzoa Performance Line. What did you think of the guest lineup today, Oh. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It was great. I love the shameless plugs multiple times. I love uh, the transparency from Justin Tinsley. Again, like if you miss Justin Tinsley, he's a young brother that sort of talked about where he is mentally and talked about therapy. And I thought that what Paul George did and what he's doing is really significant, Clinton, because there's such a stigma around mental health in the black community, especially around black men who are supposed to be so incredibly strong and be able to deal with all this mental warfare and never talk about their feelings. So good on you, JT. Good on you, Paul George. Yeah, man. And it's it's the reason why it's particularly important is because I talk about this thing about going through the paces a lot. And a lot of times when it comes to black folks, because when they think about who we are, they have to address their own internalized feelings. They want to skip steps to get to the solution without doing what it takes to understand the problem or oftentimes, most specifically, giving us the space to work it out. You know, so when we talk about mental health, it's not throwing somebody in a car and saying, go to therapy and come back when you're better. It's listen to these humans whilst this is going on, because perhaps it will help you as in non-black person understand what we go through. It's not an indictment for to ask you to listen, whether you agree with it or not. And that's one of the most difficult things. This is what I tried to outline in that column is that every no does not mean F you. And every disagreement is not a fight. And so when we talk to you about what's going on from us with us from a mental standpoint, you know, what's going on with us from an energy standpoint overall, you got to believe us. Mm-hmm. Because if fundamentally that's not there, then everything is in doubt. And we spend too much time worrying about the self gaze of how, you know, basically white fragility affects black safety. And that's not sure. nobody has time for that. You know what I'm saying? That's not that's not effective. And that's not considerate. You know, and we know the difference. And I think that's ultimately what we've seen out of this NBA bubble. Brothers being themselves, to themselves, for themselves. And if that means you got to step away from the game for a couple of days, do so, my brothers. Because it ain't worth your mind, your heart, your body, or your soul for no daggone Larry O'Brien trophy. That's for sure. We talked about this um, a couple of months ago, on Clinton, on the Undefeated special that you were involved in as well. And just the psychological warfare on these black athletes, they keep hearing from the crowd, the, who's still a vocal minority. I still believe that in general, people do want to be on the right side of history and do want to, at, at the very least, engage and be understanding and learn. Um, but yes. the, what that looks like to have to play at the highest level, like what it takes mentally to be a professional athlete with all of the pressure of the world on you and to do that in the face of racism, like what that was like for Tory Hunter, right, to be racially profiled and have guns drawn on him and then have to play the Red Sox at Fenway two days later. Like what this, like how 
that could be and like what you have to go through to prepare yourself um, to do those while you fully understand that when you are not afforded the same protection that that jersey gives you or that that uniform gives you off of the field. And so I thought it was a really poignant, you know, remark that you had among many in your article on the undefeated.com right now where you did talk about that you know if for no other reason because that's you know we're supposed to talk about what now what did the player strike solve and like what do the players want to happen and maybe to your point they just needed to not go to work today and who among us hasn't been there you know absolutely you know what i'm saying i know that feeling we all know that feeling and just because you think that the game that you are terrible at playing that they are good at playing is something that's easy to do does not mean that the actual job of being the athlete is as easy as putting the ball through the hole. That's what this really comes down to. People don't seem to understand that the court in the game, even though it's the most visible part, is really only the final part mm-hmm. of what is a lifetime of work and an all-day operation. You know what I'm saying? Every single time you get out onto that court, you know? It's just it it boggles my mind how easy some people think life is for people simply because they happen to have more money or because they think they don't deserve it. Again, if all of you bird brains that were in my mentions were in the top one percent of the in the world of whatever you do, you would be willing to take a couple steps back because you would know your worth in a different way. Maybe it is something that, you know, you do in the world that is more valuable than anybody knows. But I can tell you this going to work at no convenience store or whatever it may be which is perfectly great in the world especially in a corona time when people need to get things it just doesn't add up to the same thing as what say Giannis can do on a court and so what the calculus is of what you think is important versus what they sacrifice it's just not going to be the same you know what i'm saying we're not going to be able to understand that the same way l because that's not the life we're living unless we know these people and that's what we're trying to do as journalists is effectively indicate to you what their lives are like and how it relates to yours in one way or another and exactly to just assume that because these people live a life of privilege now, think about the fact that they are all self-made. Like what I what's driving me the most yeah. nuts is, is listening to some of these talking heads talk about how you know they're spoiled and privileged, and you know LeBron doesn't James doesn't have to worry about this or worry about that. He comes from poor Akron. He came from nothing. Single mother raised him. Most of these dudes are self-made millionaires. They're brands. They work their ass off to get to where they are now. And for you to try to minimize them or quiet them by simply a Describing them as rich and out of touch is absolutely asinine and insulting and ridiculous. Like it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like what it takes to become what they became to only be dismissed by Jim rat 37 on Twitter as, you know, opportunistic (laughs) and whiny. Like it's just, it's so insulting. And, and, you know, I just, I don't understand how people can be. I mean, I do understand how people can be so tone deaf and out of touch, but it's laughable. And I think it's a, it, it speaks a lot about, listen, I have I fully understand that I have, you know, I have reached a certain tax bracket by the grace of God with hard work. Right. Um, But that does not mean there's many times that I vote against or speak out against many of my own interests for the sake of my community, for the sake of people who aren't as privileged as I am to be in the place that I am. And that's what it's about. Right. It's about these guys offering a hand up. So how would you like it if LeBron James just said, well, I don't care about Akron anymore because I got out and I'm rich and I live in Bel Air. Like, that's not how it works. You can't ask them to help their communities and to go back in their communities and to stay down and then question their motives when they use their platforms. They're very loud and high platforms to speak out against people that are still fighting these battles, many of whom are still fighting them themselves. Ask Masai Ujiri what privilege gets you when it comes to facing 
excessive police force. Wrote a column about that too. You can check that out at the end of the <laughs> as it turns out. There's I'm so many Gates articles. No, but now that yes. we're getting the plugs in, I do need to mention tomorrow, check your boy out on ESPN at 2 p.m., Breaking Barriers, a conversation on racial equality. We're talking about the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues. How about that? Uh, that's you know uh, listen. There is nobody more perfectly qualified to talk about <laughs> that and to be informative about that and to be entertained by that than Clinton Yates. So no doubt it's going to be fantastic. Thank you. We talked to Chris Archer, who is a Pirates pitcher. You are familiar with his work. He used to throw for the Rays. We talked to Dell Matthews, MLB VP of Baseball Development. My man Dell is son of Gary Matthews, Sarge, who you know for years in the bigs. If you're old enough to know that, and of course Bob Kendrick president of the Negro League Museum, who is the sharpest, most, I don't even know what the word, he's the most excellent human in baseball, okay? Charismatic to the nines on every single level. So please do tune into that. ESPN, tomorrow, 2 p.m. You gonna watch it, though? Of course I'm gonna watch it. It's actually gonna come on right after my Sports Center's over. Oh, so I will be tossing to it. Look at wow. that. Look at that. So I'll have to synergy. DVR it. Look at that synergy. I'm very excited. I want to thank everybody who joined us today again. Yeah. Tim Bontemps, Bill Roden, Justin Tinsley. It's good to be back, y'all. You know, we try to come together to do what we can. And, you know, sometimes we family. Also, thank you. Good to talk to you. All right. Coming up, it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons. She's L. Duncan. I'm Clinton Yates. This is The Intersection on ESPN Radio. We built this country for free. Don't forget that. The Intersection where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated.